Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. I say hello to all the Guardians of Grace out there once again. You're listening to another episode of the Guardians of Grace podcast. I'm Steve. Bill's not here. He's still having trouble dealing with his workload. He wants to be in here ministering, but he's got the almighty dollar has control over him and it's dictating what he can do. I long for that almighty dollar to be coming in through the ministry because that would mean Bill is working full time on the podcast, which is exactly where he would want to be and exactly where I would want him to be. And I believe by now that's exactly where you would want him to be also. So we'll keep praying that that happens. Lord, please in your sovereignty, as James 4.15 says, if it be your will to do this or that, cause it to be your will that Bill gets in here and we have two people podcasting full time in sharing these scriptures 24-7, Father. So many more podcasts. Five podcasts a week, one a day. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, once again, I selfishly get to speak about what God has placed on my heart. I get to be the vessel that God uses today to speak words of encouragement in spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words to each and everyone out there. Once again, I am looking at the Bible as a whole. So this might be part two of he's got the whole Bible in his hands. That's it. He's got the whole Bible in his hands. Okay, I got it right now. So we're going to look at that and we're going to look at it from the vantage point of Jeremiah chapter 25 in what Jeremiah says to the nations of the world. What he says to actually the whole entire planet. What he says to the whole entire planet. Jeremiah 25, starting in verse 13. And I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall make slaves of them, even them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the works of their hand. 
For thus the Lord God of Israel says to me, that's Jeremiah, take this cup of the wine of my wrath from my hand and I will cause all the nations whom I send you to, to drink it. And they will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I am sending among them. I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all, all nations drink to whom the Lord sent me. So here it seems like God is really mad with planet Earth and all the inhabitants on the Earth. And he's given Jeremiah a cup to give to all the kings and tell them to drink this cup of God's wrath. It goes on to say, verse 26, All the kings of the north, near and far, one with another, all the kingdoms of earth, which are upon the face of the ground, and the kings shall go after them. And you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Drink, be drunk, vomit, fall, and rise no more because of the sword which I will send among you. And it shall be if they refuse to take the cup from your hand to drink, then you will say to them, Thus says the Lord, You shall surely drink you shall surely drink you will drink of this cup behold I am beginning to work calamity in this city which is called by not my name and you shall completely be free from punishment no you will suffer punishment you and all the inhabitants of the earth declares the Lord of hosts and utter his voice from his holy habitations. He will roar mighty against his fold and he will shout like those who tread the graves against all the inhabitants of earth a clamor will come to the end of the earth because the Lord has controversy with the nations therefore he is entering judgment with all flesh the Lord has controversy with all the nations. Therefore, he is entering into judgment with the flesh. This right here sounds like something God would say when he was telling Noah to build the ark. 
that I'm going to destroy the earth. Because here he's saying exactly that. I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to make everybody drink the cup of my wrath and die by my sword. They'll die by my sword in my anger, says the Lord, and nobody will escape this punishment. The whole earth will die just like they did in the day of Noah during the flood. And I remember God saying he would never destroy the world again through flood and created the rainbow. But did he ever say that he would not destroy the world again? The, the answer is no. He actually didn't say that he wouldn't do this. Does this sound like he's going to destroy the earth another time? Yes, that's exactly what it sounds like. He's going to destroy the earth again. Question. Did this prophecy ever get fulfilled? No, he hasn't destroyed all mankind. No, this prophecy hasn't been fulfilled. It's another prophecy of the Old Testament that hasn't been fulfilled yet. It has not been fulfilled yet. It's just in the middle of the book of Jeremiah, all of a sudden he starts up with this rant that he's on, prophesying that he's going to destroy the world. Don't know why. I mean, we've never acted any worse than we always have acted. Not any worse now, but he's going to destroy the world because of the works of our hands and the deeds that we have done. Just right in the middle, another weird thing that gets mentioned in the middle of the Old Testament for seemingly no reason it just comes up and it's mentioned and it's prophesied and it doesn't happen why is that why is it always like that in the Old Testament just one sign of something that doesn't happen, one type of something that doesn't happen, one more example of something that doesn't happen, another story that would have parallels that doesn't happen, just it doesn't make sense. One more time, it doesn't make sense. Well, I'm telling you, it does make sense when you take the Bible as a whole and you see where these things are coming from and what God meant. Just like when he said, I'm going to give Abraham the covenant of circumcision and every male will be circumcised and 
that word and, and you shall be circumcised in your foreskin, and it will be a sign of the circumcision. What did God mean back then by saying, and you'll be circumcised, and it will be a sign, and then he gave that sign to his chosen people, and his chosen people had to take every poor male child and circumcise him on the eighth day to fulfill this ritual that God wanted Israel to do as a what? As a sign of the circumcision, meaning there was going to be an invisible circumcision that nobody seems to mention in the Old Testament, but it, it, it is mentioned in the Old Testament several times. It'll say, you who have been uncircumcised in heart, and you who have been uncircumcised, even though they had been circumcised. It was talking about a, an invisible uncircumcision. All through the Old Testament, it keeps mentioning this crazy idea and this crazy idea of an invisible circumcision, which in the last podcast, we went over ever so slightly about that circumcision and we'll probably visit the idea one more time. But now we are looking at this fact that all the earth is going to die by the sword of God's anger. And I'm asking you, did that ever happen? And you know what the answer is? Yes, it did happen. It did happen. And the reason it happened was because of this one little word that is mentioned in Jeremiah what when when it says he will roar mighty against his fold and he will shout like those who tread on the grapes against all the inhabitants of earth clamor has come to the end of the earth because the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He is entering into judgment with all flesh. God mercifully says this sentence, I have controversy with all the people on planet earth and I'm entering judgment with all flesh, all flesh. What a significant word. How is that significant, you would say? We're going to see in the New Testament how significant this word is and what a blessing it is that God would just mention this one tiny five-letter word that just saves us. It just saves us. 
praise you, God, for mentioning that word flesh. Because this debt collection that God was going to collect, he did collect. Everybody paid their sin debt. He crucified the whole planet. And I can say that because of this word flesh. So with that in mind, let's jump into the New Testament and look at some curious things that Jesus said during his earthly ministry. One of them is found in John 12, 32. Do you remember Jesus? He's in a celebration and in the midst of the celebration, he stands up and says with a loud voice, just interrupting the party. He says with a loud voice, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And we always say, you know, if we're lifting up Jesus and praising him, he's going to be attractive to all men. But the next verse tells us what Jesus actually meant. And it goes on to say, after he says, if I be lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men to myself. And then it says, of this he meant his death. If he be lifted up and dies, he will draw all men to himself. Isn't that exactly what they were saying in Jeremiah? Where he said, I will gather the nations and make them drink the cup of my wrath and perish by the sword of my anger. Well, he was drawing all the nations, he said, if Jesus would be lifted up. Lifted up on what? As we find out, he's lifted up on a cross. But let's look at, at something else that was just whacked that Jesus said to his two disciples when they were saying, hey, Lord, Allow us to sit at your right hand and on your left hand in heaven, okay? Can, can we do that? Can we sit at your right and your left hand in heaven? And Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verse 38, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And can you be baptism, baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? What baptism was he talking about? He had already been baptized. He was talking about another baptism. What baptism would that be? But he said, you'll drink the cup. And they said, hey, we will drink the cup. We will drink the cup, Lord. Let us sit at your right hand or your left. And Jesus said, just like in Jeremiah, 
you shall surely drink. Remember in Jeremiah said, and if they tell you they don't want to drink it, you say to them, you shall surely drink. Well, Jesus said the same thing. You, you, the people, not him, you shall surely drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with. You will. It will happen. If I be lifted up on the cross, I will draw you all into myself and you will drink the cup of wrath from God. This prophecy is going to be fulfilled in Jesus. In God's eyes, humans never got to see this phenomenon, this miracle happening. We accept it by faith. We accept what we were told in Romans chapter 6 by faith because it says, what, should we go on sinning that grace may abound? And Paul says, do you not know? After he says, heck, no, you shouldn't. We're not going to sin that grace may abound. Then he says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. When Jesus said, you will be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with, even though he had already been baptized, he was talking about another baptism, and that's where we, he would draw all men to himself, and we would be baptized with the baptism he was baptized with. We were baptized into his death and we surely drank the cup of his wrath. That prophecy was fulfilled when Christ died at the cross because we were baptized into Christ Jesus. That's exactly what it says in Romans chapter 6 verse 6 Knowing this, that the old man of us was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has paid his sin debt. See, the old man of us that part of us that we don't like about ourselves, that human nature, that flesh, as we're going to see it described at in just a second, that flesh of us died with Christ and was buried with him through baptism into death, Romans 6, 2 and 3. We were placed in the grave in Christ, the old man of us, the part of us that we do not like about ourselves. That part of us was placed 
in the grave. That's why in Romans 7, it could say this. Therefore, brethren, you were also made to die to the law through the body of Christ that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Through the law, you were you died in the body of Christ that you might be joined to him and raised from the dead. We're going to look at that idea of being raised from the dead, but it mainly means you're circumcised from that old man of us, that part of us that you don't like. It stayed in the grave, and the new man was raised out of the grave. Then it goes on to say, For while we were in the flesh, that's that flesh word. See, it says while we were in the flesh. Isn't that what Jeremiah said? I'm going into judgment with the flesh. Well, this says while we were in the flesh. We were in the flesh as we were baptized into Jesus. He saw it as a corporate blob of jelly that all of us were included but that flesh represents all mankind he calls all mankind the flesh and it's a corporate representation of everything that we don't like about ourselves which was placed in Christ in the grave when he was placed in the grave and then we were circumcised from that corporate entity called the flesh mercifully called the flesh by god called the flesh and it paid the sin debt for us and the new man was raised from the the grave that's why it said therefore brethren you were made to die to the law through the body of Christ that you may be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead. We were joined with Jesus as he was raised from the dead so that we can bear fruit to God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were in the members of our bodies made us bear fruit for death. See, it says, in the flesh you did all these things, and it blames the flesh, and it pronounces judgment on the flesh, and the sin debt is paid by the flesh, not you, and he crucified the flesh or the old man of us, and he left that in the grave, completely connected to all the sins that it ever did but disconnected from you and I, mercifully disconnected, circumcised. That's what Colossians chapter 2 goes on to tell us. For in Colossians 2.11, it says, In Jesus you were also circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands. This is this invisible circumcision that 
Jesus told Abraham of. Everybody get circumcised and you get circumcised in your foreskin and it's a sign of the real circumcision. Well, here's the real circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh. There's that word flesh. We were removed from that body of flesh that got judged for the sins. We were removed from it and it paid the sin debt. It says we were removed from that body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He circumcised us right then. Having been buried with him in baptism, the baptism that he said you'd be baptized with, in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. The faithfulness of him who raised Jesus from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, you were circumcised. It tells you about that circumcision right there. It says you were baptized into him. You were put in the grave through that baptism. You were raised with him. That was the circumcision done, made without hands, the one that Christ did on the cross and in the grave, the one that only God saw from his vantage point, and we never saw that. We did not see the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy, even though it was fulfilled in the New Testament. See how the Old Testament is just incomplete without the New Testament. They harmonize together perfectly, though there's not a stitch or a jot or a tittle out of place when it comes to the harmony between the Old Testament and the New. It is all one book. If you're just reading the Old Testament, you're reading an incomplete book. If you're just reading the New Testament, you're reading an incomplete book. You have to read both Old and New Testament to and Revelation to be reading a complete book. It's not complete without the whole thing. Only then is the book complete. Only then are you getting the full picture of the book and the moral to the story of the book. But it says we were circumcised from our sin that little covenant that God took the time to write about in Genesis 17. He wrote about it and put that in there. It's forever in the canon of scripture that it was there. Well, it didn't come about. The fulfillment did not come about in God's sovereignty for over 2,000 years. But every poor little male child was faithful on the eighth day to do that ritual, which happened to every child for that 
2,000 years, all to give us this picture of what you're reading in Colossians 2. Israel was God's chosen people, but he was chosen to do a peculiar ritual to those poor little kids for 2,000 years to give us a picture of what Jesus would do for us through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. It doesn't make any sense without this New Testament telling us what Jesus invisibly did on our behalf on the day when Jeremiah said, I'm going to make everybody on the planet drink this cup. And if they say they won't drink it, I'm going to tell them, just like Jesus told the two disciples, you will drink this cup. You shall surely drink this cup. Both places, he, Jesus said the same thing. You're going to drink it because in God's eyes, everybody drank it and paid their sin debt. It's actually a beautiful thing done for us on the cross. It was the fulfillment of Jeremiah 25 and the fulfillment of a part of scripture that is incomplete without the New Testament. So just as the Old Testament is incomplete without the New Testament, to show the fulfillments, the New Testament is incomplete without the Old Testament. You can't listen to the things that Jesus said in the Gospels or the Epistles and understand them without going back into the Old Testament to get the type or the shadow of the event in the New Testament. You can't understand it without the picture being displayed for you in the Old Testament. A big drawn out picture of what's mentioned in the New Testament. Or a New Testament picture of what was bared out in the Old Testament. They both need each other but just as the New Testament needs the Old Testament and the Old Testament needs the New Testament, there again, both Old and New Testament need the book of Revelation. Here the story goes all over again. The same pattern gets repeated again. You've got another section of scripture that interprets the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm talking about the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation interprets the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament and the New Testament give the book of Revelation its types and shadows. That, that's what it says in the beginning of the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants 
the things which must shortly take place, he sent and signified it by his angel to his bondservant, John. He signified it to the apostle John. He signified it to the apostle John. He gave signs in the book of Revelation to the apostle John. The book of Revelation is a book of signs that are explained in the Old Testament and the New Testament. These signs, they're signs of something alluded to in the Old Testament or the New Testament. The Old Testament and New Testament point to these signs that you're looking for in the book of Revelation. My partner Bill tries and tries and tries to explain this and to create a word picture about these signs and he never ever ever feels that he's done it justice because it is so vitally important to understand that the book of Revelation is a book of signs that the Old Testaments created. They created the word pictures for those signs, especially the book of Daniel. Remember, not much of the book of Daniel has been fulfilled yet. That's all signs and types and shadows that the book of Revelation signifies. It makes signs of what is mentioned in the book of Daniel, what is explained in the book of Daniel about the the various weeks and the 70 weeks and all those things that Daniel is trying to explain, they explain and give meaning to passages in the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation signifies what was painstakingly written down in the Old Testament. Do you remember where, where it says, and the prophets of old looked intently trying to figure out what manner or what time the Spirit of Christ was in them was indicating when it indicated the times of Jesus' suffering and the stuff in the book of Revelation the spirit of Christ in those prophets was having the prophets write down things they did not understand at the time, but those things written down back then clarify the signs and pictures that are in the book of Revelation. The types and shadows, this time the types and shadows are in the book of Revelation and the, the, the real bringing out of the meaning is in the Old and New Testament. It, it's a reversal, but there again, it's a third document that takes us to and makes all the conclusions that 
haven't been made in the Old and New Testament yet. It finally ties up all the loose ends that were not tied up in the Old and New Testament. And you, all you do is you find all those loose ends and then you go to the book of Revelation and the book of Revelation gives you a sign of them. It, it signifies, it gives you a picture of what was being mentioned in the Old Testament. It's all one big, beautiful book that God took 2,000 years to write and he wrote it through people just like me and just like you, normal, regular people with sinful lives. He put his spirit into and they wrote incredible things and they didn't even know what they were writing, but they were writing a book that is complete and it's there for you. It's a complete document from the God who created this planet and this universe that we live in. That God has written you a book. Wouldn't you want to read it? It's the most incredible book on the planet and the prophecies themselves prove that it was written by a God who knew the beginning from the end. God pointed it out and made it all too crystal clear by prophesying things about Jesus that were fulfilled. Do you realize they were fulfilled? Many prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled. Many of them still haven't been. Many of them were fulfilled in Christ. And we accept those by faith. But many of them were fulfilled. Enough of them were fulfilled that you know that it's an extraordinary book. It's a supernatural book, a spirit natural book. It has been written by the Spirit of God through those people that are called prophets in the Old Testament. But God wrote the book, and it's the most amazing book, just like I showed you about the, the cir circumcision, how God put that in there right from the beginning. Now, in, in the very beginning, God says, sin is crouching next to you, but you must master it. It longs to have you. It longs to have control over you, but you must master sin. And we never did master sin. That thing starts in like page five of the book of Genesis and carries out through the whole Old Testament into the book of Revelation it's saturated with sightings of this sin that is mastering people in the book of Revelation. It's still there. That theme has been carried out. Why? Because it was written by a spirit who has the memory to carry it out and to write each section of scripture perfectly so that it harmonizes with the scripture before or the scripture after, but it is a complete book for you to marvel at and most importantly for you to learn from and to learn the moral of the story 
apart from Jesus, I can do nothing but by Jesus' power, I can do all things. So I'm going to abide in the vine so I'll bear much fruit for apart from the vine, I can do nothing. It's a simple, 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 simple message that this gospel brings to us. It just says, don't depend on yourself, depend on God in you, the hope of glory to do for you what you can't undo, you can't do for yourself. And then give God the credit for what he's doing and store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's a simple, 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 simple new covenant that we live on. Wait on God. Allow God to work through you. Don't allow him. He's going to know whether he wants to or not. But wait on God. Depend on God. Give God the credit when you see God working and active and store up treasures in heaven because of it. Speak and act as those who will be judged by the perfect law that gives freedom. Speak and act as those who are, as 2 Corinthians 9 says, under the law of Christ. Those who are without law should act like they are without law, yet under the law of Christ. We act like there is no law at all for us, because there isn't. But we're under the law of Christ. Under the law of Christ is where we give Christ the credit and store up treasures in heaven. That's what it means to be under the law of Christ. It's that simple. And Father God, I just pray that you cause it to be that simple for the guardians of grace here that listen to this podcast tonight. That's an overview of the Bible. The Bible is truly that simple. It's that simple. It's not a complex book. You just live by the power of God and give him the credit for what he does for you. And you will live a more exemplary Christian life by depending on him than depending on yourself. You'll get further in your sins and lawless deeds. He'll remember no more. If he's not using you, he won't remember those deeds anymore. That simple, Father, just allow us to take root in that concept that can be so simple yet so veiled in the 21st century church. Allow it to become unveiled through the whole entire church. Allow guardians of grace to go viral. Go viral and let the simplicity of the gospel go viral. Father, go viral. That's our prayer. Go viral, Lord. Go viral, Lord. We love you guys. Good night. Dig on this holy Bible because it's an awesome book. He's got the whole Bible in his hands. Amen, you guys. Good night. We love you.